0: Mr. Carey, thank each one of you. Again, it's good to be here this morning. And uh, I was reminded that someone heard that it was supposed to be a devotion this morning. (laughs) And I guess it wasn't. And then someone said they were apologized because their eyes kept closing on them, but they, they weren't the only ones. <laughs> when you get up, at, uh, everybody gets up a lot earlier than what they're accustomed to do and come to church a lot earlier than what they're accustomed to do. It's, uh, uh, it's kind of like a Wednesday night. People work all day and come to church. It's hard to keep your eyes open. But anyhow, it's, uh, maybe I'll bring a devotion this morning. <laughs> no guarantee. but <laughs> John chapter 19. John chapter 19. I want to read verse 5. We'll be looking at most of the chapter of John chapter 19. And what I'd like for you to consider uh, this morning is, uh, Behold the man. Behold the man. uh, John chapter 19, and read verse 5 with me. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you once again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to assemble here together in this capacity. We thank you for this special day that uh, the world celebrates as Easter Sunday. We realize, Father, that it's Resurrection Sunday. That it's, that's what it's all about, and we thank you for giving us this special day in which we are to honor you and to worship you and to praise you and for God's people to come together and assemble together in this capacity to lift lift up your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask your continued blessing in our services uh, today. We thank you for each one here uh, this morning and those that would like to be here that's not able to be here for whatever reason that it might be. But we thank you for being a God that cares about us. We thank you for being a God that's involved in all of our lives. We thank you for... Uh, your presence, you said, where two or three are gathered together, there will I meet in the midst of you. So we thank you, and we thank you for uh, your presence in a very special way this morning. And Father, we just lift up the church this morning also as we continued and, and will continue to do in their search of a, a pastor. Father, that you might give them leadership of your Holy Spirit, that they might recognize the man that God has uh, here for them, and uh, they might be in unity uh, each and every one with you about the man that you desire to be here. And we pray for them. We just lift them up, Father. And we lift the man up before you also, Father, that they might know. And, uh, Father, we realize that it's a difficult decision sometimes for everyone involved, but we just ask that you might be in complete control. Bless now this time that we have together, that everything said and done might magnify the very precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name I ask it all. Amen. The world today as we know it is beholding a, a a lot of men. And I know on uh, TV this week there's a whole lot going on about the Astros. I don't know how many Astros fans that we have here. and uh, <laughs> But... Uh, a lot of emphasis has been placed on them in the news, which it should be. You know, they're they're the world champions, and they're from Houston, so that's uh, that's a wonderful thing. But uh, so many times we we think about our presidents and senators and bosses and friends or whosoever that this world uh, looks to uh, for leadership. And uh, I believe there's only one place, one person that we need to look to for true leadership. And the Bible says, "Sirs, we would see Jesus." This is the man that we need to uh, behold and point all men to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 11, I want you to notice that verse of uh, uh, Scripture, and I know that you've heard about it uh, uh, many times, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. I want us to behold the faultless man the, uh, this morning. Paul had said on uh, three different occasions, I find no fault in, uh, in, in him. He said that in John chapter 3, verse 18, and then the, uh, in John chapter uh, 19, verses 4 and uh, 6, he said, I find no fault in, uh, in him. And yet we know when we look at the scripture that uh, the Bible says that he knew no sin. If there's ever ever going to be a perfect person, then that perfect person is the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't fit into that, uh, that bill because we know the scripture is very, uh, very clear. that When we look in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, "...for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin." Folks, the whole the Scripture points and reminds us that we are sinners before a righteous and holy, uh, holy, uh, holy God. And uh, in 1 Peter three and eighteen says, "For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the un- unjust." And it was Jesus that ultimately paid our uh, uh, our sin debt. And uh, folks, I, I, I can't get over that. I, when He gave up heaven, He left all the glories of heaven, and He left it all. Uh, just to come and suffer the way that he suffered on the cross at Calvary for your sins and for my sins. He was guilty of nothing. That's why the scripture says, the just. For the unjust, God was a just God. God, The Lord Jesus is a just Savior, and he has done nothing wrong. We are the unjust ones. We are the ones that is full of uh, sin in our, uh, in our life. But he was willing to give up heaven and all the glories of heaven and leave the side of his Father to come to this world and suffer the way that he did, suffer the cross for our sins. I don't understand that, folks, but we know why he did it. We know why God allowed him to do it, and we know why Jesus was willing to, uh, to do it because of love. And he sets the example of, uh, of love, Father, in the Scripture, in the, uh, in the Bible, especially in 1 John and uh, other Scriptures. He teaches us, you know, the love that Jesus had for us when we, it seems like we're against everything that he stood for encourages us to love one another, and I'm so very thankful for the love that this church has one for another, and that's the way it's supposed to be, folks. We're supposed to care about one another. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to pray for uh, one another on a continued basis, and that's what. Behold the faultless man, and when we are reminded of the Lord Jesus and all that he's done, for us, and it should remind us not only the love that He has for us, but the love that we should have uh, one for another. And but I, I want you to notice also the, uh, uh, behold, the man of suffering. The treatment of Christ should always remind us, and always be a fresh, uh, a reminder to each and every one of us. The price that was paid for our uh, for our sin debt, folks. We did we didn't uh, uh, we didn't deserve. What he did, but sometimes if we're reminded, just reminded about what he's done for, maybe it will remind us that we need to serve him better, maybe remind us that we need to be more faithful to him and uh, maybe commit more to him than we do to this, uh, to this world. And maybe if we're reminded of all that Christ has done for us and, and it be fresh in our mind, maybe it will remind us that we need to honor him with our life and maybe make some sacrifice for the cause of uh, Christ. He was tried uh, unlawfully, the beating was horrible when we look in uh uh isaiah chapter 2 verse uh 14 it tells us about the uh, anguish and agony that he suffered for uh for each and every uh one of us the nails were terrible the crown of thorns were very uh painful and i just can't uh, uh, can't imagine folks I, you know we, maybe we just need to get a picture of the uh, the nails driven in our uh uh in our in his hands for us and I, how many of you've ever had a nail gun shoot you in the finger or a hand or put a screw in you and yeah i really did yeah it's uh well you know we, we've done that sometimes and they it, it hurts doesn't it well if you've never done it, i hope you never have to go through it but it's it is painful then then remember a, a crown of thorns that was placed on his uh on his head I, ju- I just can't imagine folks and uh i've been in thorns before and uh I remember up in Arkansas, I was trying to find a deer, and it seems like they always hide in the middle of all the thorn bushes. And uh, And I, I've never understood that. But uh, anyhow, you make sure, well, why do you shoot him? That's probably what you're saying. And, uh, and do you know some of them ladies at church? They tell me every deer says, we're praying, Brother Paul. What are you praying for? That you don't have to pull that trigger, that you don't see a deer at all? Poor babies. How can you do that? But listen, folks, a crown of thorns that he wore on his head, and he did it for each and every one of us. That's, that's who he uh, suffered. He said, uh, uh, I don't know, to me, it would just seems like it would be unbearable to think about all the suffering and all the agony and everything else that he went through before the cross and then, then on the cross, then even after the cross, all the agony that he uh, suffered. And we need to be reminded, folks, that he did it for us. All of it, all of it was for each and every one of us. And when he cried out in Mark chapter 15, verse 34, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I, you know, if we get a picture of that and just read that in, in context and just just be reminded of how he was suffering, not so much the cross and everything else, all that was bad, but the fact that his father His own father turned his back on him. Why did he turn his back on him? Because of our sins. He hated sin, and he couldn't look upon sin. And Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary carried our sins on that cross at Calvary. And, folks, we need to be reminded that when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken forsaken me? And, folks, I think so many times God's people just forsakes the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us, the prize of redemption that we received. And sometimes we're just like the religious leaders. We cry out, Crucify him, crucify him. Behold the man of suffering, Jesus or Barabbas. This is what Pilate asked them. And they chose Barabbas over Jesus. They hated this man. They disliked him, something horrible, because all the things that he stood for, he was against everything that they stood for. And so many today is still crying out to Jesus and Christianity as a whole, crucify him. We don't need that. We don't like to hear that kind of stuff. We have that in the society all over the country, folks. Christianity is not what this world wants. But I'm going to tell you something. Whether they want it or not, that's what they need. They need to hear the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ this gospel, this city, they may not want it, and they may not like it, but what they need to hear is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what they need to hear, and that's what they need to see from this church here, the presentation of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was stripped of all clothing, but the Bible says he endured this cross, despising his shame. Look in, folks, and when we look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Why would he do that? Folks, it all comes back to one thing, his love for you and for me. And he's still loving us, folks. He's still protecting us. He's still taking care of us. He's still blessing each and every one of us. Then I want you to notice a man, behold, a man of sorrow and grief. When you look in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. That's the shortest verse in the Bible in John chapter 11, verse 35 says Jesus wept. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes I think we make him weak even today. Because of failure to make the commitments to Him that He desires for us to, uh, for each and every one of us to, uh, to make. Jesus knows about g- grief and poverty. Listen to what He said in Second Corinthians eight, eight and nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. The apostles wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus reminded them: the birds have nests. The foxes have holes, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Isn't it amazing? He left all the riches, all the glories of heaven to come to this world. And it's because of you. It's because of me. I think sometimes we just forget that, folks. But it's because of me and all my wretched life, all my wretched sins, that he came and suffered into this world to give his life on the cross at Calvary for the redemption of all mankind. It was each and every one of us that nailed him to that cross. And we, he stayed there, folks, because he loved each and every one of us. Behold the man of all ages. He said, before Abraham was... I am. Listen, folks. I know a lot of people that they don't mind calling Jesus a, a a man, but he's not. He wasn't just a man. He was God. He was God then, and he's God today. Before Abraham was, I am. He's always been, folks. The, his birth was just a part of his life because he's always been. He's God. God has always been. Jesus has always been, and he'll always be God, regardless of what man thinks or whatever uh, man thinks. Remember in the the three Hebrew children, they were cast into the fiery furnace in uh, Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 25. And the king was so angry, I mean, he was so angry that he had him make that fire uh, tent... Seven times hotter, I think it was seven times hotter than what it was most in those rugged men that was all dressed up in their coats and plo- rugged soldiers when they tra- cast the three Hebrew children in this fiery furnace. They were killed. They were killed and throwing them in the uh, fiery furnace. However, the king looked down there and he said, How many men did we cast down there? Wasn't there three? And they said, Yes, O king. Well, where did that fourth one come to? Where did that fourth one come from? The son of the living God was there with those three Hebrew children. And he said, bring them up out of here. There was no hair uh, smoke on their hair. There was no smoke on their body or anything else, nothing that resembled a fire that they was amidst a fire. How did this happen? Because of a living, resurrected Savior that was willing to be in that fire with them. And, folks, that same fire... And that same uh, God that was with those three Hebrew children is the same God that when we're going through fires, when we're going through troubles, when we're going through tribulation, that Holy Spirit of God and the Son of the living God that walked with those three Hebrew children is the same one that walks with us today. He's not changed. He's still the same. John the Baptist on two different occasions, John chapter one verse twenty nine and thirty five said, "Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world." Here he is. There he is. He's the one you're looking for. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. And when he's talking about the world, we need to put our names there. Behold, the name, the uh, the Son of God that takes away my sin. When you look in John chapter one verses one through three, it said. Three says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him that was made. Talking about Jesus, talking about God that was always and has always been. He's there today interceding for each and every one of us. God said, why should I accept them? They rebelled against me. They're not doing what they ought to be. But Jesus said, here's my blood. I paid their sin debt. I paid it all. I said welcome. Welcome. That's the kind of God that we have. Behold the risen man. That's what this day is all about, folks. And I can't say it enough. When you look in Luke chapter four, verse five. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. I'm thankful today, folks. I'm thankful for this day that we have to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I'm thankful that I can tell you today, without questions at all, that Jesus is alive. And if he's alive one of these days, when we die, we're going to be taken up with him, and we'll be living with him forever and ever and ever We'll be with him where there's no more tears, no more sorrows, no more death, no more regrets, no more, no more, no more. It'll all be left behind. And we'll be with him in glory one of these days, folks. He'll say, welcome home. Welcome home. He rose that we could rise also to live forever with him. He said in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. But Thomas said, Lord, how can we know? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He rose, that we could rise also. Behold the man who will save you if you will let him. Behold the man that will take you to heaven if you'll let him save you. But somewhere along the line, folks, we've got to understand it's not church membership that's going to save you. It's not baptism that's going to save you. It's not good works that's going to save you. But it's by you trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and the sin debt that, that he paid for you and ask him to save your soul. Come into your heart and save your soul. He'll redeem you and he'll set you free. But somewhere along the line, you have to act. You have to trust him to and your willingness to receive him. Nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He wants to give you life, and he wants to give you a life, eternal life, where one day you'll spend it with him forever and ever and ever. But have you received that gift? And, folks, it is a gift. And if you have, are you honoring him with your life? Are you willing to do your best for him? Are you willing to be where God wants you to be? So this morning, as Brother Don comes and Lisa comes, what about it this morning? Are you willing to do what God wants? Behold the man. Behold the man of suffering. Behold the man of agony. Behold the man that shed his blood. Behold the man that gave his life on the cross of Calvary. Behold the man that's coming again to take us out of this old world. And as he has rolled, we will rise also and be with him forever and ever and ever. No more tears. No more sorrows. No more deaths. No more regrets. That's what God has promised us. That are his children. But bless your heart. If you've never been saved. And you've got family and friends that's never been saved. Then they're going to go to hell. If they never trust Jesus. They may believe he exists. They may believe that. But until you trust him. Until they trust him as savior of their soul. And they die. Then they're going to go to hell. Heaven. Is a place that we want everybody that we know. And even those that we don't know to be saved because the eternal consequences of rejecting Jesus Christ is a horrible price to pay so this morning as we stand and we prepare this song of invitation what is your need this morning What is it? what decision do you need to make as we sing this song what number of it on